One, that I have any personal animosity towards Shastney. No, I just think he's an amoral bullshitter, con man, used car salesman type. Um, I think that's it. The same way people can say they think I'm the biggest jackass. I understand that. That's, that's natural. I don't have anything personal against him. And I can even tell you stories of even when he was in government and minister for tourism, when he'd asked me for my help in little things here or there that I, I had no problem with it, independence and other stuff. But that's neither here nor there. The other thing that I wanted to point out is that if you think that people like me and other, not only talk show hosts, but the news media are not sick and tired of covering this guy, knowing that he's lying left, right and center 99% of the time, you have another thing coming. It's fatiguing. It's boring. It's nauseating. It's irritating. And then you have to do it again because that's the job. That's what you have to do. Nonetheless, let's start. Where should we start? Well, with all of the sort of strange reopening of school, um, I don't know how it's working out for many. I know that it seems farcical um, for the information that I've gotten. But the part that bothers me is, again, this revisionist history. You know, they spoke about how Vladimir Putin wanted to have textbooks rewritten with regards to Stalin and his time um, and leadership or dictatorship. But it's very funny that when it comes to St. Lucia, we don't even wait for the history to be 10, 15 years old. Something could happen a month before, and yet we will talk as if not only it never happened, but we literally put in our the revisionist history. So I want to start off with the Minister of Education as she speaks about how she has handled ICT in schools. But as Minister, um, you've had to be learning a lot on, on, on the trot, on the go throughout this um, COVID experience. Anything that has struck you and probably fueled your determination to ensure that education in St. Lucia is not compromised despite the challenges brought here on by COVID-19? When I assumed office roughly four years ago, I was very clear about some of the things that I wanted to achieve along with the team at the ministry. And I can tell you, sometimes the room went very silent. Sometimes I, I got worried that people weren't breathing, the extent to which that they were so taken aback by some of the commentary. And on one such occasion, the topic was the integration of ICTs in education and the move to e-education in a very aggressive and comprehensive way. And we have made, and pre-COVID, had made significant progress. You know why the room fell silent, Dr. Regobert? You know why it fell silent? Because much of what you were doing was to undermine the progress that had already been made. You keep acting like ICT and also curriculum, Curricula, you see how Shastani, curriculums, and all the rest of that, it messes with your mind. You see, these things have been going on since the 90s. Curriculum is revised every five years. As for OECS, UE, and all the rest of the guidelines for education in the Caribbean and in our region, sub-region of the OECS. We have had IT since 1993, 94, 95. Long before you got into office in 2016, 
and there were already computer labs and desktops and there were on a much more limited scale there were laptops but you did meet a laptops program you also got a number of projectors you got laptops you got desktops all left by the former administration the only time that you saw fit to give out any were to tap your private school and also to some young lady in your constituency office but the part where you didn't, where you felt that your government was very aggressive and did so much in terms of ICT, are you seriously going to say that just, what, a week ago? You're going to say that? No shame? No shame? So you don't remember anything that happened maybe just two months ago? Lucian students commence the final term of the 2019-2020 academic year. The ministry is considering the delivery of tuition via technology while students work from home. In ensuring no child is left behind. But while the ministry is proposing the use of digital platforms as one of the modes of instruction, there are considerations. The teachers and some of the students who have indicated that they are having challenges getting devices. St. Lucia, knowing that CXC was moving in the, in the direction of electronic testing. Pronouncement by CXC that assessment will only be facilitated through the e-testing modality. And so I'd just like to appeal to those parents, organizations who have computers, tablets, laptops that are not being utilized but still in very good condition to let them know that this can be provided to the Ministry of Education and our IT team will do the necessary cleanups, ensure that the necessary software is on there and allow, provide that kind of that device to our students to allow students to access the information that is going to be sent to them. Should somebody want to contribute to that cause, these devices can be dropped off at our various district offices or at the Ministry of Education. Are you serious? Education Minister Dr. Gail Brigabert Man, by extension, the government of St. Lucia, was criticized by the opposition senators during the last sitting of Senate. The opposition senators questioned the government's commitment to the education sector, citing its policy decision to discontinue the secondary school's laptop program. MP for Miku North and Education Minister Dr. Gail Brigabert defended the government's decision at the United Workers' Party's second-year anniversary campaign-style rally Thursday night. I hold steadfast in my position and that of my colleagues in the cabinet of the United Workers' Party that it is not enough to give a child a laptop. So as of September last year, we have introduced courses in the schools so that children can have the e-skills, the digital skills, the computer skills, so they can maximize the use of the computers that we will be putting in classrooms throughout the schools versus giving children in Form 3 a laptop. That is the philosophy of the United Workers' Party.
No shame whatsoever. So you think, this is how, and Barack Obama even spoke about this, you know, that you catch them in a lie. Then the whole media cycle goes for two, three weeks. She goes, she says, she says, she defends. People expose it. You put it out there. The talk show hosts speak about it on different talk shows. You get the different spins of it. And by the time it's done, you figure, well, it's done. And what they do, they just wait for the news cycle to pass, just like Donald Trump, like I said, the Cambridge Analytica stuff. And they just literally come back and start the same lie all over again. And there's a term that solutions need to get into the, the collective national jargon and lexicon, and that is gish gallop. G-I-S-H-G-A-L-L-O-P. Gish gallop. And what it means is a series of lies told in succession. The, by the time that you deal with the first lie, the second lie, the third lie, before you know it, you're buried in an avalanche of lies. The first person that it ever became really, uh, the featured person was Mitt Romney when he was running against um, Barack Obama in the U.S. elections. That was when the first time the, the term actually emerged. But Trump has it on steroids. And if you watch the four-hour presentation in the Prime Minister's budget last night, you literally were getting that. Everything from, what was the one that the, and that is something that actually has worked on UWP and Labour Party supporters, that the, that the, the UWP created the banana industry. The UWP created the banana industry. By the time the UWP was formed in 1964, the banana industry already had 10,000 registered farmers. Carlton Augustine was in the United States, posted that. And as soon as he said, it reminded me, because I was so busy focusing on other terminological inexactitudes. And there are more, but we'll get to them. So, folks, you have to be prepared for people, for things that you know. For example, a laptops program that got shelved. Children that have been left out in the dark from since 2018, January, when um, all CSEC and CXE exams results and SBAs had to be done online. And watch them start telling lies all over again. They have not even figured out whether they want to have lies, um, whether they want to say, for example, that COVID is, is the excuse for why they couldn't do things. Judge them on their performance in COVID, where they tell you this is a very important word that they're using on you. First, for the public servants, it was sacrifice. And there's social psychology behind sacrifice. The new one is you are ungrateful because this government saved your life after leaving healthcare in squalid conditions because they still want to make sure and are still looking to bring Cayman to take over healthcare and privatize it. But because we have had a well-managed, and I give them credit, well-managed COVID healthcare crisis situation and containment, they are reproaching you, telling you that you are ungrateful, as if, you know, that must mean any other shit that they do, whatever corruption you see, whatever misprints priorities you see, whatever favoritism, nepotism, everything that you see, you're just supposed to let it go. So you are ungrateful. But now, let's get to the other district representative this time the one for castries southeast counting down the tiquas and watching the united workers party win in victory economic development minister guy joseph says the ruling united workers party is ready for the polls the castries southeast mp was questioned by the media on the uwp's level of preparedness for the upcoming elections on tuesday on the heels of the fourth anniversary of the June 6, 2016 victory, Prime Minister Alan Shasta hinted that St. Lucians will be heading to the polls soon. 
The opposition Salusha Labour Party also officially kicked off its 2020-2021 election campaign earlier this week. We are always ready for elections. There's no political party who should not always be ready for elections. I mean, from the day we came into office, we started working. Now, you see, I can take it either way. I can judge you on the four years of less than 20% project implementation that you had to the point where you actually have a budget this year, which is actually trying to squeeze four years of non-achievements and promises into achievements, sod-turning, looking with the view towards establishment of uh, and all kinds of bullshit because at the end of the day, y'all are trying to win an election now. But since Guy Joseph this time wants to be judged on his performance as a district representative, the people of Cul-de-Sac have a couple of questions about their community center and they want to know um, exactly how would you rate your performance for the people in the valley. Joseph continues to tout the Alan Chastney-led UWP administration's track record of performance, claiming that the government started its work program from the outset of entering office. The MP, who is known for issuing political challenges, contends that the administration has outdid the previous SLP administration. He does not believe the incumbent will be judged solely on its management of the COVID-19 crisis, but its entire term in office. We are always ready for elections. There's no political party who should not always be ready for elections. I mean, from the day we came into office, we started working. And you know when you work, you work because you have five years in government. Um, Elections can be called before the five years. I mean, from the day we came into office, we started working. And you know when you work, you work because you have five years in government. He does not believe the incumbent will be judged solely on his management of the COVID-19 crisis, but his entire term in office. I mean, from the day we came into office, we started working. So folks, it's time to get your armor. It's time to suit up because the UWP is literally... Chastney's iteration of the UWP, because I still don't believe this is a true manifestation of a once rightly proud party. But I will tell you, you have to get your armor right now, right now. And I'm talking about your mental armor. You need to make sure that you remember what, what are facts, because what they're going to do is to try to gaslight you. Now, gaslighting is a term that dates back to the 60s psychological term for essentially, if I can break it down, it's to tell you that what you're seeing is not what you're seeing. What you're hearing and what you're feeling is not what you're hearing, not what you're feeling. To tell you that the reality that is glaring to you is not the truth. So even right now, this morning, what did, what did Cambridge Analytica in St. Lucia do? They had a Zoom meeting this morning with all of their online hacks. Everybody from Kanisha to Minerva to Dinish Das Dickhead, Fireburn, Pinky, Paul Ward, United Park, everybody, so that they know exactly how they are going to have a concerted effort. You see, if, let me tell you, if 10,000 people look up and they tell you the sky is green, you will look up and there's obviously the mental temptation to think that you were wrong knowing that the sky is blue because everybody's saying the sky is green. That is the effect that they're going for. So again, the revolution is telling you, 
Emancipate yourself from mental slavery because none but ourselves can free our minds. I can't help you beyond a certain point. I myself will need help. Each of us need to help each other. Each one reach one. We know who we are. Remember who you are if you've forgotten. Know the greatness of our people. And most importantly, know the reality that we share right now. And know that we need to change it. This is The Revolution. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, please bow your heads. Let us pray. I came and I, I, I have a little prayer mm-hmm. that I'd like to maybe share with you and, yeah, and, to, share, and audience, to share with your audience. The nation. Mm-hmm. Father God, I come humbly before you today to give you thanks for all your blessings and your mercies, particularly during these past few months. Mm-hmm. The health and the economic challenges which we have been facing have reminded us how much we need you as a nation and as a people. And we rely on your grace and favor every single day. I ask you, Holy Father, as we grapple with the decision about opening our borders and fully reopening our economy in the coming weeks, that you keep our country protected from the ravages of COVID-19 pandemic. May the Holy Spirit lead me every step of the way as a Prime Minister of this country, as well as the members of my cabinet and others in positions of leadership in this country to make the right decisions Mm -hmm. to bring peace and prosperity to all our citizens. We ask for your wisdom and strength to be constantly present within us We pray that you fill us with all the courage to face the road ahead as we work to rebuild our nation after grappling with this crisis. We pray for your protection over our people and ask that you cover us with your love and keep us distanced from the evil intent 
of the enemy. Mm. We ask that you build a hedge of protection around our beloved St. Lucia and bestow your blessings upon us. We pray for discernment and the knowledge to understand your will. Yes. Hear your voice and know your ways. Keep our footsteps firm on solid ground mm. and help us to be consistent and faithful in all our dealings. Yes. Give us the endurance to stay the course and not to be distracted. Mm -hmm. Do not allow fear or worry to control the minds of our people, but rather to constantly reassure us that you are in control and guiding us at all times. All times. That is so true. Father, keep your words of truth planted firmly within us. Help us to keep focused on what is pure mm -hmm. and right and give us the power to be obedient to your word. Mm -hmm. Remind us that your voice speaks louder and stronger mm -hmm. than that of the enemy and that we are safe with you and your purposes and plans will not fail. Mm -hmm. We know that you will always provide us, provide for our needs and will shower this country with your grace and blessings. Mm -hmm in all things. Yes. Help us to be generous and kind to others mm -hmm. and to be our brother's keeper, mm -hmm. especially at this time. Yes. May the fruits of your spirit, love, joy, joy. peace, peace. patience, kindness, mm -hmm. goodness, mm -hmm. faithfulness, togetherness be manifested in our lives. Yes, the Lord, yes. Heavenly Father, lift our people's spirits mm. and fill our hearts with faith and optimism as we navigate this journey together with you as the captain of our ship. Amen. Thank you for keeping us safe from this virus so far. Mm -hmm. And we ask your continued blessings for the people of St. Lucia. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What else can I say? You've said all. <laughs> That's a wonderful prayer. And uh, what I love about God, PM, is that that prayer comes from your heart. It's already answered. That's our God. I feel so moved. I feel it. I, I feel so moved that I cannot even pay attention to the fact that a prayer that was done by you, the lady next to you, Miss Collymore, actually knew the words that you were going to say before you said them in the correct sequence. And yet it was so authentic. But I feel moved. I, I, I kind of, I want to catch, I need some, we need to do some praise and worship. Shastney, you lying too much, oh, too much, oh, say a matters for true. Shastne, you lying too much, oh, come on, too much, oh, who say a matters for true. Everybody, Shastne, you lying for Oh my God, Sanusha. <sighs> Let's head a response. Let's head a response. Many view this action as one of humility. There are those who are a bit skeptical of the PM's act of contrition. Director of the St. Lucia National Trust, Bishnu Tulsi, says it's all well and good to request forgiveness. However, words need to be followed up with actions that will merit that forgiveness. 
The St. Lucia National Trust has felt the brunt of some of the Prime Minister's policy decisions. Some of these include the removal of its subvention and most recently the demolition of the Royal Jail buildings, which the organization sees as a betrayal of its trust. He has hurt the trust in many ways. He has done a lot, including the subvention matter, to hurt the organization. He has attacked me personally with lies and, and, and untruths and half-truths. He could stop doing those things. And, um, and, and I will be happy to be among those who will forgive him. He has hurt my family in very serious ways. Um, and, and I, I hope that he will find a way to make amends. SLP's first deputy leader, Dr. Ernest Hillier, has described as shocking the Prime Minister's appearance on the religious program, seeking pardon for his transgressions. As far as he is concerned, it was a hypocritical move. He says if the Prime Minister is truly repentant, he would have sought pardon in a different manner. There's a pattern in all of that. The government is likewise rushing, starting projects all over the island, giving the impression that they are working. And it's all because the people have shown their disapproval of the government because they know the government have not been working for them, but really for their friends, family, and, and for foreigners. And the people can see through that. The people can see that the prime minister was not genuine in his request for forgiveness from the people that he has transgressed again. Uh, and I think that the people will see through all of that. And when the time comes at the election, the people will judge him accordingly. In his prayer for the nation, Prime Minister Alan Shastny asks for spiritual guidance for himself, his cabinet, and others in position of leadership in the country to make the right decisions to bring peace and prosperity to all the nation's citizens. I have a challenge for solutions. I want you to find, I challenge anybody to find just one example of Mr. Tulsi even raising his voice. Personally, I think he's from Vulcan. Because it's only Spock that I ever remember being so calm, no matter what the situation. That's to show you, you know, and up to now, still going behind the man. But, like I've said before, Shastney can put shit on a cone and call it ice cream. It is the people around him who mindlessly and willfully support the crap, no matter how much it offends their sensibilities, that will smell that it's shit, look at it and see that it's shit, but still go and lick it and say, mmm, that's great ice cream. So, let's go to one of the diehards overseas. Stephen, a party man, but at the end of the day, because Shasne is there, it could be whoever they will follow. I just listened to the prayer in its entirety, and I say to the Prime Minister St. Lucia, in the name of Jesus, continue on the path to a new St. Lucia, a land of prosperity for all, all my ass. And then you have to quote Mark chapter, chapter 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you. Oh, my God. <sighs> well, folks, there has been a prayer for the last four years. So again, I would ask you to bow your head. But this is not to the Almighty. This is... To the Almighty Father Shasni. So bow your head, please, folks. Please? Yes. Alan, Father, who art in business, your son is not the same. His kingdom come, he's still too dumb. On earth, 
as we pray to heaven. He took away our daily bread and made us trespassers as he gave those who trespass against us. He sell out our nation and delivered us to evil. Chinese has the kingdom. Butch has the glory. Never again. Amen. Y'all can sign yourselves if you want. It's up to you. But I will say, Alan Shastny, may the Lord be with you. Because the rest of us sure as hell aren't. But let's digress back to the tactical approach. The mind games. I did politically incorrect on choice all the way up to the end of 2018. Been off the air from 2019 up till now. Timothy Polio has been doing television and radio for the last 25 years or so. And Newspin, even when it left RCI, after a week of not mentioning the name of the show on NBC, I guess in discussion because I think the show was created or concept was created by Jerry George, you had RCI um, coming up with a new program with Calix George Jr. called The Lunchroom, and Timothy Polia was allowed to keep new spin. I did notice in the new iteration on NBC that he chose a different theme, and I pointed it out in the very first show, that if I were to have an everyday narrative which spoke about getting angry and sticking your head out your window and essentially jowing and huffing and venting, that people would say I was trying to incite violence. But I noticed something that, and I ask you, think about this from a psychological standpoint. Timothy now has an intro for a show since they have now gone to both TV and radio. It does not feature opposition politicians. It does not feature Kenny Anthony. It doesn't feature Philip Pierre. It doesn't feature um, Sean Edwards or Moses Jabatis or Emma Hippolyte or whoever. It doesn't feature Alan Shastny. It doesn't feature Ezekiel Joseph. It doesn't feature Gail Rigobert or Sarah Flood or Estefan. It doesn't feature any of them. But oddly enough, of all people and in all circumstances, sort of, I don't know, you have to tell me if Cambridge or whoever, the psychology is there to basically blend me in either with insurrection, which I don't mind as long as it's civil, or to try to paint me or in, in some sort of a way for something that even though I, have, I was arrested, I still have yet to go to court and get my day in court to seek vindication. So let's check out the intro to Newspin. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. 
want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflations and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Tuesday edition of Newspin, right here on Real FM, also on Facebook. Of course, my name is Timothy Pauli, and we'll be together until 2 o'clock this afternoon. So you have to make of that what you want. You tell me what you think is trying to be conveyed there, what the mental and psychological approach is. In the meantime, I will let you dive and have a deep swim in what you can best be described, what can best be described as full objectivity. Yeah, please go ahead your contribution, Colin. Hi, good day. Hi, good afternoon, sir. I was just asking... Um, the caller previously was saying about, about um, apology, talking about apology. What is the sincerity of an apology if it is not genuine? Because anybody can say I'm sorry and doesn't mean it in, in, in the heart. How can you determine because, whether an apology is genuine? Because as far as I'm concerned, the PM was... And if you're saying that I have, if I have, to me, it's not, it's, that's not an apology. If you say I'm sorry... Um, I am sorry for what what I have caused you, the pain that I have caused you, and I I really want you, your forgiveness. That's how you apologize. You just say, if I have, if you have, doesn't matter. It's what you have done that matters. That matters. But sometimes it's interpretation. You know, you might believe that I have hurt you, but I did not deliberately set to hurt you, caller. So, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The proper thing is, if I have offended you in any way. I sincerely apologize to you. There's nothing wrong in that. It's I have done you something wrong. I know in my heart I have done you something no, wrong. No, sir. I, no, 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 I no, no, no. I come to you. you, you and, you've and never realized, Gola, you never realized that you made a... ...that the person will laugh. And then the person starts, you know, takes a serious offense to this. It's an apology. So it's not for you. No, no, no. Very often you say, if I have offended... A guy never set out to offend you. If I have offended you, I apologize to you for that. I cannot take that my own and say, I'm sorry for hurting you, if I have offended you in any way. Because somebody else would say, that's why this person is taking, because you said this, this person has taken offense, you have nothing to apologize for. So it's different interpretation, sir. Yeah, but you see, ask me for forgiveness. If you go to God, ask God, tell God, if I have offended you. You know you have done certain things. You know you have done certain things. You're not going to say, if I have. I have done it. I know I have done it. The I know point, I the it. point I know I'm saying it. to you, sir, is that especially you're talking about in governance, on the job as a supervisor, you might have taken a particular position uh, against an employee. That employee be offended because believe that, you know, you acted in a very cool-hearted manner. Um, you decided to lay him off or lay her off. If I have offended I have no choice. I took a particular decision. You're not comfortable with it. I'd like to apologize, but that's how I see it. But Tim, over the years, over a number of statements that he has made, 
and you know that Simpson have asked for an apology. He never took the time out to apologize. Statement like what? He, 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 he said more, more than that. So I'm saying to you, to come to you for committee solutions four years later to say, if I have, to me, doesn't cut it. So you want the Prime Minister to say... When you make, when you make certain statements... Like what, sir? Like what? Like what? Like what? Okay. When, when, he, when he called people jackasses... Who he called jackasses? For that? Who he called jackasses? Who he called jackasses? Mm-hmm. You already said, Lucia? He called people who were well, who, who talking against him. We jackasses. are having a discussion, sir. You see, because what we... And maybe... That is people equivocating again, equivocation. Is to say that the Prime Minister of St. Lucia called the entire population jackasses. So somebody's supposed to say that because he made that comment, he was referring to everyone in St. Lucia. He was referring to his political enemies. Those people, but no, but listen to the context. Are these political enemies people? Don't they have feelings? Of of course, they are people. But you said, listen to the point that you made. You're saying that he has called Saint Lucians jackasses as if the entire population of Saint Lucia aren't they Saint Lucians? Big man, they are Saint Lucians just like everybody else. You are trying to again. I'm saying to you, caller, I'm saying to you. You have given the impression that he's calling everyone, 180,000 people in St. Lucia, jackasses. Sometimes you say, okay, I'm not, I'm not listening. Big man? He called 60,000 jackasses and they asked him for an apology. Wasn't he supposed to apologize? Call him. And what I'm saying to you is that. No, I'm asking a question. If he called 60,000 jackasses, those who oppose him. Okay. Was he- when you, you have never heard the phrase, let the jackasses break, You've never yes, heard that? This is what he's this is what he said. Right. This is what hold on, hold on. This is what he said. For example, the um, MP for Cashew South East was described as a poodle. Mm-hmm. Right? And and the argument at the time, the explanation was that's political jargon. That you say that this guy is that guy's poodle. He was not referring to him as a dog. You remember that discussion that took place in St. Lucia? Uh, on the air. I thought we were a praying nation. Good afternoon, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. I saw the video that they're saying that the Prime Minister was engaged in witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see it? I saw it. Yeah, it had to do with, I think, some Indian ceremony where they had a festival and they were eating and mm-hmm. was invited. That's what it is. I don't see any witchcraft in that. And to start with, I think we are a praying nation. We are, most of us are very religious. And um, if the Prime Minister prays and he asks for forgiveness, when we do wrong, we always like to be forgiven, of course. If we do wrong, we apologize. Well, the, and Bible, we ask the, for the, the Bible says, have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have okay. sinned. So all, okay. all the prime okay. ministers of St. Lucia, so, they have sinned. All the politicians, exactly. all of us. But some now, of us, some of us are not so brave to come forward and say, please forgive me. Exactly. That is my point. Tim. At least he put away his ego and he came and he admitted and he prayed and he said, forgive him. And stuff. But what about the others who have been taking us on a ride and doing us so many things on the cover? And they refuse to apologize. They prefer to sit back, ha ha ha, and they don't want to come forward and tell us, well, okay, they're sorry for the deeds. At least he had the 
how will I say, the gonads, mm-hmm. to admit if he did something wrong, he's sorry. So this hatred that sent some, not all, the usual suspects are spreading. It is not nice, okay? Because the Almighty is the one who has to judge us, okay? We are in need to judge or to judge. What I'm saying is that he came power. He was bold enough to admit if he did something wrong and to pray for the nation. No other prime minister has done that in history. And a lot of the prime ministers have done us a lot of wrong, worse than what Chastney has done, if he has done anything. You see how the mind-bending works? So, first of all, every single prime minister has prayed for the nation. From Sir John, to Kenny Anthony, to Vaughan Lewis, to Alan Luizzi, to Mikey Pilgrim even. They have all made statements in the House of Assembly during independence and other, and at other times. But revisionist history on the move. The second one is the always moving to false equivalency. I use the same example. Hillary Clinton tells one lie, and Donald Trump tells 3,000 lies. Hillary Clinton tells one lie in a month, and Donald Trump tells 3,000 lies in one month. What is the false equivalency? You say both of them are liars. You see? So... The first one is that all leaders have sinned or transgressed. All of them. Right? That is true. So level the playing field. But then they come and they say, none of them have ever apologized. Kenny Anthony spoke and used the phrase media terrorists. He never spelled out Timothy Polio's name, but Timothy Polio was in the audience at a political meeting on the market steps. Kenny Anthony apologized to Timothy Polio himself. But Timothy does not remember that. No. Kenny Anthony also apologized when the nomination day fell on the Sabbath because it not only affected Guy Joseph, although it doesn't seem to affect him in all the other things he does on Friday, like having cricket and drinks, alcohol and so on, on Good Friday. But beyond that, there were other MPs that would have been affected, whether it was Robert Lewis or Joachim Henry or others, there was Seventh-day Adventist. But he apologized. The statement is there. It's on, on YouTube. But then you have to understand the power of evoking religious psychology and bringing it into politics, which is exactly what Shasne was told to do by Emma Data, the advisors, Cambridge Analytica, Miss Rutherford, and all the rest of them. Because it's a glorified get-out-of-jail-free card. So what happens? You press the reset button and you say stuff like, he was without sin. And yet nobody ever points out that they say he was without sin, let them cast the first stone. It was said by Jesus. It wasn't said by every Tom, Dick and Harry that wanted to get out of something conveniently. But you see, the Republican machine, which is down here to make sure that the anti-Venezuela, pro-U.S., Monroe Doctrine, ready to go and invade Venezuela type thing, and the Lima group that needs Chastney or wants to make sure it props up Chastney, although he'll pay millions for it anyway because he wants to win and continue to suck like the rest of the sycophants off of the state resources and give himself all the nepotism that he can figure out how to push. In that, the Republicans have had a nice long history of working out exactly how to use Christianity in politics. We're going to protect Christianity. 
As the midterm elections approach, white evangelical Christians are a key part of the Republican coalition and have stuck with the president through a series of scandals. Do you care if your president had an affair before he was president? No. No. I believe he's president of the United States for a reason. I think God put him there. But 40 years ago, evangelicals were at the margins of American politics. I think the decision was made in 1979 that it was okay to be just like every other citizen and to get involved in politics. We think of evangelicals today as a major force in American society and certainly in American politics. But in the mid-1970s, they weren't. Evangelicals were not involved in politics, certainly not in in any organized way. Many were not even registered to vote. Uh, They considered politics dirty and uh, kind of beneath them. Evangelicals like George Bush, they like Ronald Reagan. They've liked other Republicans in the past, but they never seem to be able to close the deal on the issues that evangelicals care about. In the long term, things have not really fundamentally changed. They've gotten worse in their view. Uh, We've gone from same-sex marriage to transgenderism, 60 million abortions. Our Christian heritage will be cherished, protected. And then along comes Donald Trump the antithesis of everything that evangelicals stand for. Multiple affairs, crude language, you name it. And uh, a lot of them them have made a bargain that uh, it didn't matter anymore. Dad explained that when he walked into the voting booth, he wasn't electing a Sunday school teacher or a pastor. It was just as tough a sell with evangelicals to get them to vote for somebody like Ronald Reagan, who had been married twice as it was for me to get people to vote and support Trump. Um, it, it was the same dynamic. It's like history repeated itself. Today, Jerry Falwell Jr. leads the university his father founded and has emerged as a prominent evangelical voice in support of President Trump. I think Jesus made it clear that you use your common sense and your God-given brain to decide who will be the best political leader. I don't look to the teachings of Jesus for what my political beliefs should be. I don't think he wanted us to. Remember the attack on Mary We need somebody tough. We need somebody who has the right position on the issues. He promised to appoint strong conservatives to the federal courts at every level. And President Trump came through. He appointed... He's not only done everything he said he was going to do, but he's um, done more. The president is preparing to reveal his decision to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. The announcement fulfills a campaign promise for President Trump and is popular among evangelical Christians. I think he's going to end up being our greatest president since George Washington. While Trump still has the support of more than 70% of white evangelicals, some worry that what started as a religious movement is now seen as just another political constituency. The evangelicals are missing a greater point. If you're not careful, the political activism overwhelms the primary message, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only thing that is able to truly change a life and by extension, uh, change a nation. And no politician can fill that role. So you see, nothing here is happening by accident. The Republicans used Christianity and the Christian base. The Christian base did not necessarily, they made a deal in their minds that they did not care if the person was an amoral prick like Donald Trump. 
They just wanted somebody that would do the things and respect and act on the issues that they wanted, no matter how immoral that person is. Even if the person is not a Christian. There's even some story they speak about when Moses brought everybody to the promised land and he stopped that there was somebody who was not a Christian who still helped them. And that person represents what Trump represents. And if you believe the churches in the United States are not directly linked to the churches in St. Lucia, in the same way that the United Workers Party has always been linked to the Republican Party in the United States, you can even listen to Ms. Collymore and she speaks about watching what's happening in the United States with regard to the churches and the religion. You don't need to listen to four or five of her shows. You can listen to the same one with Shastney. And down here, people like me, when I started my show, you have churches that turn around and say that I am a demon or demon-possessed because I will criticize somebody like Guy Joseph, who no matter what he does, as long as he sits in the church on Friday night, people let everything that they don't think, but what they even know, they let it go. You think they don't know Chastney is full of it? But sandals, cupcakes make their way into the churches in the south. Checks of at least 1,000, 5,000, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000. Have you heard about Stevenson King giving one church in Denry $10,000? And it's their money that's coming through things, other backdoors, CDP, and everything else. But at the end of the day, they're happy to get it. What about housing? Right? What about land? What about the churches and the types of land that they've gotten under this government? Right? Independence has now become pure praise and worship. And that comes with checks. That comes with money. And that's why you ballers can get prayed for and not admonished. And the girls can be admonished and not you ballers. That's, what, that's why Shasne can say and do anything that he wants. He can be rude and crude. And tell me, what in the name of building a new St. Lucia required him to tell Riani that he was embarrassed and ashamed of him. Because Shastney said he was apologizing. If in building a new St. Lucia, you were offended, huh? or he may have rubbed you the wrong way. What does obstructing Janine from being a member or leading the National Trust have to do with that? Nobody knows. But the point is that these people, with their money and power and influence, are now here and basically masters for Chastney. You didn't, didn't notice, you didn't see Chastney or hear Chastney, even though you went to St. Kitts to see exactly how they stole their elections um, within a state of emergency. He came back. He went down and stayed at Savans to stay at his father's house and castles in paradise or whatever, right? He was off the radar for about three weeks, which in St. Lucian time, in the media cycle, is a lot of time. And then he comes back reset. How does he come back reset? He prays first, and now he has a nice gobbledygook budget speech. Most people didn't even remember about this presentation in to come. He did it, and it was all about salesmanship and showmanship. And in the meantime, all parts of government have been infested with political and psychologically imbued statements. Folks, think about NTN, a national television network, paid for and funded by the state which is funded by UWP taxpayers, Labour Party taxpayers, rich and poor, and everybody in between, no party taxpayers. And think of the psychology at work here. When they're trying to now convince you, look at it and tell me if that's appropriate for the National Television Network. And also, look at the end, the emphasis on trying to restore Chastney's credibility by saying facts at the end, and showing Chastney as if Chastney now is going to be repositioned via NTN a la Cambridge Analytica. 
as a truth teller. Overnight, growing national a unrest. Society, a digital cashless it's society. One world currency. A vaccine has for COVID-19. Drop the COVID virus. The coronavirus. In this constantly changing environment, resulting in sensory overload, cut through the noise and tune in to the National Television Network, the official source of information, all facts. You, 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 TV, you, TV. I know you, you got say. it. If you identify with the most pulsating, the most riveting, the most eye-capturing you, 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 TV, to advertise with UTV, dial 484-7588 or 572-7588 for some of the most competitive rates, amazing programming, and bang for your buck. The most popular streaming channel, UTV124 on Facebook. Get it now. Check us out on Instagram at UTV124. Email us utvslu at gmail.com. It's not just for me, it's definitely TV for you. Welcome back to The Revolution and thank you for staying with us. Those of you locked in on Hits Radio, also those of you locked in on Facebook as well as Instagram and of course cable TV on Flow. Yesterday was public service day, not just a day to present the budgets. Mr. Speaker, today is being observed as public service day and I ask the parliament to join me as we salute all employees in our public service for their continued commitment and dedication to our country. There is 
the responsibility to translate the policies and programs of government into action for the benefit of the people. It is a tremendous responsibility, one that my government hopes they will continue to execute with integrity and professionalism going forward. Now, there are some people who say that the only thing shorter than a St. Lucian's temper is their memory. So it remains to be seen if the public servants and the whole country is interested as to whether the public servants who can't just stay there and call talk shows, that's not, they can't, they're barred from doing things like that. But it remains to be seen whether the public servants can remember how they have been treated or if they forget and they look at or respect how they're being treated now. If the public sector unions did not get the message during the border control debate, the Prime Minister is making himself clear once again. Stop it. It is not your job to tell the government how to run government. You are a component of government. And so saying that you don't like this project or you don't like that project, that is for the electorate of this country to determine when the election comes. That's when that judgment day is going to come. There is a crisis on our hands, Prime Minister Alan Chastney says. St. Lucia's head of government on Saturday addressed the nation, providing additional information on plans for a phased reopening of the country. And one of the issues addressed is the current stalemate between public sector unions and government over a proposed mixed modality of wage payments, a combination of cash and government bonds. Stop it. It is not your job to tell the government how to run government. You are a component of government. And so saying that you don't like this project or you don't like that project, that is for the electorate of this country to determine when the election comes. So, supporters of the government, particularly the hacks online and all of the surrogates, whether it's Timothy or Russell or Jukbois or Rick Wayne and everyone in between, they're hoping that the public service will be assuaged by this new tone that has emerged as of last night, offering duty-free vehicles. But the devil is in the details. When elections are around the corner... Mr. Speaker, as a government, we also recognize the hard work of our essential service staff during the height of our early mitigation efforts against the spread of COVID in St. Lucia. These workers faced immense challenges in carrying out their duties. And it was painful to note that essential service staff, nurses, police officers, firemen and firewomen, were profiled when taking public part transportation and in many instances were turned away, turned away from buses in their uniforms. To that end, our government has taken the decision to provide duty-free concessions on vehicles for a stipulated period of time to essential service staff who've been employed for more than five years within the public service. The details of this measure will be finalized after further consultation with the relevant stakeholders. So the devil is in the details, or in this case, the bullshit is in the details. First of all, the terms and conditions are to be stipulated at a later point in time. Hmm. That's part one. 
Part two is the reason why a lot of the first responders couldn't get on buses was because of the social distancing on the buses that y'all implemented, one. Two, because you shut down the country and you even have talk shows where people call in to Newspin and Zafin with Yadi and Jahim and other shows to say that they were stuck in Denry, nurses stuck in La Clary, nurses stuck in Babono, who could not get buses because you shut them down. That's one of the major reasons. Now, these public servants who are now offering duty-free vehicles as elections around the corner are the same public servants who you wanted to take bonds, the same ones who you wanted to take a pay cut of up to 50%, which is still on the table, who the day after elections you can give a duty-free vehicle but still force them to take a salary cut because you've already made commitments to the IMF for the last three to four IMF published reports saying that you promised to modulate the public service, a.k.a. cutbacks, retrenchment. Now, people who have been in the public service for over five years, but these are the same people that you did not even want to give suggestions. The duty-free vehicle aspect was raised by the head of one of the unions, was raised literally, and it was rejected just two months ago. And they said that is one of the options for traveling officers. They said traveling officers, even if not all public servants and first responders, because the politics of going for first responders, nurses and doctors, and, well, not doctors, nurses and firemen and so on. The other thing too is there are people who had vehicles who could not use their vehicles. Customs officers were told to park their vehicles during the shutdown and they would be carpooled and brought over to customs. Some of them were even told to keep clothing so that they could sleep at customs because they were not sure that hap if they could be picked up. That happened at the exact same time of the Massey bag distribution that got politicized heavily by the United Workers' Party and its individual MPs like Guy Joseph, along with Terry Valse, and of course Sarah Flood and Stevenson King. Yes, that happened. Now, folks, think about this. Huh? The Prime Minister is fantastic at giving with one hand and taking twice as much with the other. So, you say you're taking 2.5% of that, but you're introducing licensing fees for hairdressers, for poultry producers, for um, people that are making charcoals and so on. And when you heard like this morning on Zafenu, they tell you these things were in place. The penalties were in place, in place, but not the license fees. Every six months or every year, you have to go and pay. You have to, if you're a hairdresser, you have to have the, 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 you cannot have the hairdressing facility at your home. It has to be at a separate place and hire a security guard. All kinds of rubbish. Just like the room tax that they want to put in the name of bed and breakfast and tell you if you don't, if you don't register or you found in, in contravention of that, you can pay up to $100,000 or four years in jail or both. Now, Let's talk about giving with one hand and taking with the other. You want to tell people, because it sounds nice, but think about it in practical terms, folks. If ever there was a time that you could not get a vehicle loan, even if it was 50% cheaper, it's now because of the coronavirus. COVID has wrecked our economy and many co economies around the globe. The banks are in a holding position. They're waiting to see the economy pick up 
after December, January to see how it's going to be. Really and truly, even if they take 50% off of it, here's the problem. Your salary, I met a lady who literally was not paying just on Saturday. She's a public servant. She's a teacher. She's not paying the insurance on her vehicle and taking bus. Because if they cut her salary by whatever percentage in the coming months or the day after Chastney wins, he comes back and finishes whatever he wants to do with the public servants. Then she cannot pay the insurance on the vehicle she already has. So she's taking bus. And that's the reality. You heard on Trisha's show earlier, minibus drivers telling you that the way things are right now, they're doing one day on the peg, on the bus stand, and another day off. They can't afford the vehicle even if it's 50% off. But even beyond that, you're asking people to clap while their hands are tied behind their back. Because you're telling people that you're going to give them duty-free vehicles for a limited time. I noticed, note when you heard that. That means he can do it, and as soon as they win the next election, they can stop it. If you didn't have time, get through your paperwork. Look, MPs were entitled to duty-free vehicles. All of the government MPs got their duty-free vehicles like Guy Joseph and so on. But when people like Richard Frederick went to get his duty-free vehicle, up to now, they still, he's still fighting in court over trying to get that duty-free concession. In the meantime, you're going to have these public servants whose salaries right, need to be assigned to the bank or to have these commitments. And you're telling them that you're going to pay them 50% in bonds or you're in the middle of negotiations and or in the middle of negotiations. So they will not have the ability to buy a vehicle no matter what because they will be operating on potentially half of their income. So it sounds nice, belelesh, belelesh. But at the end of the day, what's the good of telling you that you can have a Porsche but you have to kill yourself first? So you get in the car, you get in the million dollar car but you'll be too dead to drive it. That's the point. You're giving me something that I cannot afford at a time when I can least afford it. Because you know it's good politics, it sounds nice, but it's bullshit. So, for those who said that this budget was Alan in Wonderland, I concur. We underscored the need to re-engineer and modernize our economy. That process, Mr. Speaker, has begun. Mr. Speaker, a new economy is emerging, one that is divisive, sorry, is diverse, excellence-driven, innovative, and increasingly more resilient. As the Prime Minister has been shifted into a new tonal quality where he's now negotiating, he's now willing to concede uh, some of the mistakes that he's made so that you will re-elect him. One of the strange things that keeps happening to him every now and then, I don't know how many of you watch this cartoon South Park, but there's a character which reminds me exactly of Trump and Shastney. His name is Cartman. And he was once mimicking somebody who had Tourette syndrome, something that would force you to blurt out stuff um, an, an, an auto, an, an immune disorder, not a mental disorder, sorry, that has used to speak and just use words oddly. And he found himself being forced to say the truth uncontrollably. Shastney says here that the economy has become divisive. And then he says diversified. The first time he said it, it was a Freudian slip. That's exactly what he's done. Created a divisive economy where people are at each other like crabs in a barrel while he watches for entertainment. And in truth, he said that they have come up with this new economy that's predicated on excellence. 
The only thing that he has done is to create a level of regression that has brought us back to the stage of huge wealth inequality that resembles the colonial days. Now, like I said earlier, there's a lot of gish gallop, lie upon lie upon lie. And if you have to go through everything, which I will try to do still, then it just gets fatiguing and that's what they depend on for you to get tired. But I'll just go through one or two just to show you the pattern of the BS. So let's start off. This one is the dam desilting at Wasco, which as of now, remember folks, 0% of the dam has been desilted. And if you listen to what he's saying, he's confirming it. The John Compton Dam desiltation project, Mr. Speaker, as you know, are aware, all customers of the Water and Sewage Authority have been making a contribution towards the desilting of the John Compton Dam. Mr. Speaker, now that the construction of the disposal pit to take the silt from the dam has been completed, we anticipate weather permitting that the long-awaited desilting operations will be completed in this financial year. So not only does he admit that they are now hoping to start desilting the dam, they are now hoping to start desilting the dam, but sadly, it's a lie. It's a terminological inexactitude. It's a bluff. It's BS. It's crap. $24 million later, nobody knows what has happened beyond the site preparation works. And you know, if you don't want to believe me, I have no problem with that. Listen to the actual minister directly involved, Ezekiel Joseph, on the COVID-19 um, NTN set explaining, and this is probably just about a month and a half ago. To distill the John Compton Dam to bring it back to its original state, it'll take about eight years. Okay? So what we are doing, the whole discussion and the whole aspect of, of distilling the John Compton Dam, and it'll take eight years if we do not experience another Thomas. It'll take eight years if you don't experience another um, negative impact of climate change and you have soil erosion and, 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 and the, 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 the dam is being resilted. It'll take eight years, okay? So we talk about eight years of normal... Um, so Shastney told you in the budget presentation that he's going to complete the desilting of the Compton Dam within the next financial year. So that would mean between now and next year, May that he would desilt the Compton Dam, except that Ezekiel is telling you that it would take eight years, and that is under good weather conditions. And after four years, how much have they done? Zero percent has been desilted thus far. But what is a Chastney budget presentation if he does not talk about his forte of BS? Hotels. New hotels, fancy hotels. Remember, I told you the Galaxy Project is dead at Canals. Gone. Finished. But he's still pushing it, and he's pushing others too. Mr. Speaker, we can expect a significant increase in St. Lucia's room stock over the medium term. Barring any extraneous factors, some of these tourism developments are expected to begin construction sometime later this year. Mr. Speaker... I admit that some of these projects have previously been announced in this Honorable House and have not gotten out of the way. This has been due mainly to this systemic tardiness or other factors, Mr. Speaker. While government provides the 
environment for tourism investment in terms of incentives and facilitation, it is the private sector that undertakes these investments. Unforeseen delays may arise from changes made to plans by investors. These are outside the control of the government. Notwithstanding, Mr. Speaker, we expect significant progress be made this year in the medium term on the following projects. Point Seraphin Business Development and Leisure Hotel Project, the Courtyard Marriott. This will be constructed on 41,000 square feet of land to the northwest of the existing duty-free shopping complex at Point Seraphin. It will be a nine-story tower and will include 140 rooms and suites, a swimming pool, a fitness center, food and beverage outlets, and a rooftop terrace. At present, the developers have submitted their final drawings to the DCA and have received conditional approval. The project cost is estimated at U.S. $42 million. Pearl of the Caribbean, following the successful completion of the thoroughbred horse racing track during the 2019-2020 fiscal year, the developers will focus on constructing a 250-room, three- to four-star hotel catering to the creational and business tourists in Beausenjou and Viewfort. The hotel project will include a casino, hospitality school, and a retail and food and beverage space. The developers are in the process of submitting plans to the final approval to the DCA. Canals Resort. Mr. Speaker, on January 15th this year, we broke ground to mark the commencement of the construction activity for the Canals Resort in Miku. The developer is Caribbean Galaxy Real Estate Limited, a subsidiary of Galaxy Group. The resort will consist of residences and two hotels managed and branded by AMR Resorts, Apple Leisure Group. The total investment is estimated at U.S. $300 million. Cabot Links, St. Lucia, with the purchase of Point Hardy and Kappa State, the developers Cabot Links Resort in Nova Scotia, Canada, have begun the construction of their new project in St. Lucia. The project will feature an 18-hole championship golf course, a 50-unit hotel residential plots for single-family vacation homes, as well as a single multi-family multi residence. Work has begun on site for the development of the golf course, with work on the hotel expected to commence this year. The restaurant in Choiselle, construction of the Soli Coucher restaurant in Del Serre Choiselle, is scheduled to begin this year. This restaurant will offer a farm-to-table menu featuring local produce and fresh seafood. It will be supported by Tete Rouge Resort, which is owned by the same company um, and by four villas currently under construction. ANSASAB. The ANSASAB development project has received approval in principle from the DCA. The plan includes the construction of two hotels and residences. This investment, which is being coordinated by the Invest Solution, is packaged in such a way that allows for local investor participation. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, we also have the Hyatt project in shock. The developer has recently announced the commencement of a sister investment in Barbados. He has received his DCA approval and we're hoping for the commencement of that 800-room Hyatt at Shock very soon. So as I've said before, the only new things in this world are the history that we have not yet read. Those who do not know their history are doomed to repeat it.
As we are on the verge of electing Shasni to a second term, it's actually more like his third term in official public bullshit. When it comes to the hotels, this is nothing new. This is the same gobbledygook that we got for the last four years. As a matter of fact, this budget presentation is actually titled 2006, 20, sorry, 2016 to 2020. I thought the budget was for the annual year. You have many financial experts saying that he should have a mini budget just for six months because of COVID. But what comes first to this government? People in terms of the coronavirus recovery, economic recovery, or politics, obviously politics. So I'm going to take you or allow Richard Frederick to take you back to the official Hansard, which is there online if you want to check for it, of Shastney doing this exact same thing, not only last year, the year before, and the year before that, but also when he was Minister for Tourism. Just get the 2008 Hansard and you will see what Shastney said and what he did not say. Okay? Now, um, right, on page 33, I'm quoting Shastney's words here, folks. In his 2008 budget presentation. Okay. Um, he said here. We had a former government. That's when we won the elections in 2000. And, well to December 2006. So here is in 2008. We had a former government that just talked tourism. And did not understand and deal with the reality of tourism. In talking about the reality of the developments. Forbes Cap, FM groups, Scottish group developers around the world, land in Dominica, land in Berkeley, and had already had Ernie L's down here three times to design the course. We will start next year, first quarter. <laughs> Why Ernie L's golf course? We will start. First quarter of 2009, I don't know. He goes on. Truma say Hines. Now, that one, I love it. The people of Miku, I hope you're listening. Exhausting vote ballots of addition to say Betis, Lashasi, the Guardian. Truma say Hines, major private sector developer from Texas, how now have now taken over the Truma say project. The major owner will be down here on May 26 to put the final hotel, to put the final selection of the brand they are going to choose for both the golf course and also for the hotel. Shastney, I'm quoting Shastney here. And you know what is exciting about the project, he said? Is that in our deliberation, we were able to convince them to build a village on the back of the Miku village so that the people from the town of Miku now will be able to participate in the activities of the hotel. This is going to begin in the fourth quarter of this year. <laughs> Let me read that again. What Shastney told the house. I need to read that again. And that reminds me of the grass behind the grass. And you know what is exciting about that project? 
is that in our deliberation, we were able to convince them to build a village on the back of the Miku village so people from the town of Miku now will be able to participate in activities of the hotel. This is going to begin in the fourth quarter of this year. All of that BS is Shasli. Up to now. Aye. Safi, he goes on, which went bankrupt. No due diligence. <laughs> Shasli talking about no due diligence. Poji. Has been rebought over, rebought over, that Shasli speaking and not me. Has been rebought over. And I have to be honest with you, it was a project that I did not think was going to get off the ground. They now have a project manager here, Madam President, who is working nights and day and moving. I have promised to get the project off the ground by the fourth quarter of this year, that's 2008. 300 rooms. Safi, up to now. Ritz-Carlton. Ritz-Carlton contractors have been hired. In the house. Ritz-Carlton contractors have been hired. The deal has been finalized. Waiting for the land transfer of the kernel piece of property from government is already being promoted on the Ritz-Carlton website. And again, I encourage members and also encourage the citizenry to go to website of Ritz Carlton to see what they have to say about your beautiful island. And they are in black and white. December 2010, 300 rooms with also an Arnold Palmer golf, golf course. <laughs> River Dory. Hey, y'all in the house, River Dory Swazel. River Dory, an Irish partner, will be down here in another six weeks. And to tell us who is going to be the final brand that they have selected. And all of a sudden he got the initial approval in principle in planning. With its Faldo golf course. And he is now going to be starting the first quarter of 2009. Nine years ago. <laughs> but yeah. Margaret Tooth. And all of this is Shasta speaking, eh, folks? Anybody wants a copy, I'll send it to them. Margaret Tooth, again, I think somebody in the lower house indicated that the government was prepared to sell it for $8 million with all kinds of concessions in which the government have to repair the land and everything else. We sold it for $10 million and the people are now proceeding very fast and furious. I expect the plans to be in any day now, and I expect construction... To begin in the fourth quarter of this year, 2008, and it's going to be a boutique property of 50 rooms and another 100 villas, 2008. Aye. June last, just last night, that's the same thing. You remember when he said he just got a call that the loan from the Taiwanese was approved, and after that he said, um, He's, for the, he's going to Taiwan for the final negotiations. Well, it appears, hey now, just last night, we were with the new owners and bankers for the Caribbean Jewel property, a banging tree. Caribbean Jewels, folks, 
was just acquired by the same Chastney. In 2008, he said the banks were there. But in 2018, he acquired it. <laughs> Papa. Ten years later. Just last night, we have the new owners and bankers for Caribbean Jewel Property, a banging tree. It is the same architect that did the Calibane and Antigua. Fourteen of them are down here for four days. Going through a curate and finalizing the deals. I have gotten the Ministry of Planning approval in principle already. And they will be looking to start construction in November 2008. 300 units. 100 units in the first instance. Just toujours un. Chastney had to end up acquiring the hotel. Raffles up north, Cap Estate, has already broken grounds. The golf course is already under repairs. Jack Nicholas will be here in another two weeks for the fourth time to come in and see the site and construction is already underway. That is going to be 200 rooms. Westin Le Paradis will be opening in March of 2009 with 275 rooms. And I'm happy to say that for the opening, that British Airways would have returned to St. Lucia with three non-stop flights starting on October 27th. And he goes on. And by that time, I hope we will have American Airlines daily flight out of New York. I also hope we'll be able to announce some good news about Delta and Continental and US Air coming from the US in order to make sure that those rooms are filled. Then he goes on. The Canes or the Cannes development, whatever it is, which is the expansion of Cotton Bay. For those of you who want to go and see, to, for those of you who want to go and see, go and see the construction. Another 100 rooms will be ready, will be ready later this year. Malin Key, go down and see it gutted. Renovating, adding another 150 rooms has already started. Just toujours un. He goes on. Both Louvet and Marquis. Ah, And people voted for you, eh? People voted for you. Both Louvet and Marquis. Plans have not been submitted. I have met several times with individuals as they are very hard to track. Hopefully, I will be able to make a formal announcement very soon about that. So what we are facing, we are facing that by the end of 2010-2011, conservatively speaking, that we are going to have 2,500 new hotel rooms. Folks, that was Alan Shastney. You can take it down. In 2008. You know? That is classical BS. Big plans. Little execution. 
Phone lines are open now at 5727588. That's 5727588. And it is what it is. And more importantly, it is what it isn't. It isn't real. It's the same BS. This is not his first go-round. This is not his second go-round. This is his third go-round telling you the same stuff over and over again. And again, it's up to you now to choose. Nobody can fool you this time, not even Cambridge Analytica. You have to fool yourself. You are the one that has to fool yourself. You have to ask yourself as a taxi driver, if you've gone without employment for four months so far, not making a dollar, if a duty-free concession can help you buy a vehicle and how will you be able to pay that and which bank is going to help you out with that? Caller, good afternoon. We have our first caller. Hello. Good afternoon, caller. Awesome. I want to talk to Chris. <laughs> yes, I'm right here. Chris, that's you there? Yes, that's me. Boy, what's, what's wrong with your voice? What's wrong with my voice? What's wrong with your voice? I, I, I saw you shouting earlier on TV on, uh, inside a store there. Talk to me. <laughs> Can you imagine, Chris, I walk into a store. I'll be showing the check and everything else. I walk into a store, my girl picks up a couple of things, it's $467, and she's been told that my name is on a rejection list. Persons from whom checks should not be accepted. But the question is where you went to. You know they don't like your head. No, it does not matter, Chris. It does not matter. In my humble view, business should be blind and should be apolitical. All businesses should be apolitical. I went there hoping to patronize the man's business, but tomorrow night I'll deal with that. <laughs> Let me tell you, Chris, what I want to ask you is this. Mm -hmm. um, how many people, or are you aware of how many people are qualified under Shastley's BS? about the duty-free vehicles insofar as the, the, um, the, yes. um, the workers. The it's for first responders, police, the first responders. police nurses, and so on. And, uh, and he has the terms and conditions have not been specified. And also, he says it's for a limited period of time, probably up until he wins, wins elections. Wins elections. Mm -hmm. But, Chris, the other thing is, how many nurses are permanent now? Are you aware that we lose almost half of our nursing stock and most of the others are on contract? Are you aware of that? Yes, they, t they changed it and they used the Millennium Heights thing to, to try and um, fool people into that. They've been challenging them, their salaries. They want them to sign two, three-year contracts so that after elections, Cayman will have a free hand to privatize and bring in their own people. 183 nurses was the last count I had in 2019, and you have agencies like Mampa and so on um, being inundated with requests for St. Lucia nurses to go to England and Canada and so on. So I yeah, don't see my, how it works. My, I mean, my point is, uh, Chris, if you want to want nurses to qualify and you are saying that, look, you can get a duty-free vehicle, but to the back of your mind, you know for a fact that you were the one who told them if they want to come into OKU, they must first resign. resign. They must sever all ties. Yep. Sever all ties before they come into OKU. And then you put qualification criteria of five years, which means you must be permanent. Who does Shastri think is fooling? He's fooling some people. Eh? There'll always be some who will be fooled. Because right now, all they're pushing, especially the young people, will just be saying, hey, duty-free vehicles for public servants. So even though my mother have to take a 50% pay cut and take money in bonds, she could get another ride. 
Yeah, but then when there is no money and you're asking people to incur debt, and that is exactly, you see, Shasta is leading people into how he leads the country. Misleading. The country can ill afford any debt right now. The country can ill afford additional loans. We are overburdened. We are overstocked with loans. But what he's asking persons to do is to go take another loan, put on your backs, knowing full well that the general ambience, the climate, does not permit anyone to take, because there is no more disposable income. So Nobody ask, has disposable income. So let me ask you a question. Do you go think, ahead. because you have relationships with various banks in St. Lucia, do you think the banks will look on this Let me tell you, banks, banks are lending anybody money now. Right now, the banks are very... I mean, the criteria have moved from 50 to 100 in terms of you qualifying for a loan now. Which is reasonable on their part? It is reasonable. I have no difficulty with that. As I was telling Mangali yesterday, once written twice, if one has written your bonds check, then I expect to see their name on, on, on whatever list. But for me to walk in there for the first time to write a check and then to tell me my name is on that list, it means you 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 see me as a criminal writing bonk checks all over the all all over the place. Mm. But but you see you see it's reasonable on the bank's part, and I have no difficulty with that. But when you tell me that the average worker can hardly fend for himself, this job situation extremely precarious. There is a lot of uncertainty that cloud the whole economic environment. We must not forget that Shastri placed all his eggs in one basket. Everything you tell Shastri, tourism, 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 tourism. If the man had an opportunity, he would even acquire agricultural land and, 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 and essentially zone it tourism. That is how Benty is on tourism. You, you don't forget, he was the very one who said agriculture, the farmers you'll be selling to market, you'll be selling here, you'll be selling there. None of that has materialized. And because of the fact that our whole economy is contingent upon tourism activity, we find ourselves in financial doldrums and we will not recover in a hurry. So tell Shastney that duty-free, go and deliver on the social responsibilities to the people. Let people know how they can feed their children. Let the poor people tell them what they can the next meal. With those monies you want to throw away as they did with the 12, with the 2.5% VAT, when there is so much price, price gouging going on. I mean, VAT is supposed to have been reduced. But you go to the supermarket today, it's one price today, another tomorrow. That's another show. Yeah. But the poor people of this country, they need help. They are begging for help. That's they funny. need nice. They need step. They need to have those programs reinstitutionalized so that they too can get their first lights of, 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 of the notion. Chris, have a good day. Thank you. Thank you very much Bye. for calling. And folks... What we took out there, what I took out there was just a few of the inaccuracies. They took Chastney last night, took credit for the Royalton Hotel. He took credit for the youth policy, which we'll get into more, um, enacting a youth policy when the cabinet actually rejected it. Right? There's so, we have another call. Good afternoon, caller. Hi, Chris. Hello. I saw the proposal for duty free. My thing is, how many nurses can actually afford 
to get a vehicle right now. Well, they have most of us are actually on contract. Yes, not only that, but no job security and in the middle of negotiations to where the prime minister wants you to take a 50% pay cut and take the rest in bonds or whatever. Exactly. So every way you spin it, this is not possible for us right now. So I think he's just playing with our heads. Are you? And do you mind if me asking if if is, are you a nurse? Most nurses are below five years right now, because a lot of nurses left Saint Lucia. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am. So, as a nurse, uh, what is the feedback that's been coming to you from the other nurses with regard to this? Everybody finds this funny, <laughs> because last year the proposal was made and it was denied, and all of a sudden it's approved. The proposal for vehicles, right? For yes. Mm -hmm. So why all of a sudden it's approved? Now elections approaching? Exactly. When you want to cut our salaries, you giving us that proposal, how are we affording it? Well, it's up to people if they're going to be fooled. It sounds nice, but as soon as you think about it, like I said, you're asking people to clap while their hands are tied behind their back and it's you that tying their hands. Exactly. Personally, I still can't understand why this government has not given direct stimulus, except that it makes you starve when you don't have stimulus, so you'll be grateful to be fed. I don't understand. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that St. Lucians can take so much abuse. It's incredible. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. I. I think all of this is so funny. This budget is, I don't know. Well, Alan in Wonderland, because even, for example, I remember with the Sessions nurses, this government could not find $2 million for Sessions nurses, yet they could give Sandals $24 million tax in um, withholding tax waiver and penalties. They could give Lockerbie $32.4 million to build a, a, a polluting stadium down in, um, refurbish a polluting stadium down in, in Soufre. And nothing for that, even though the entire Ministry of, of Sports was running on $9.3 million until last year. I just don't understand. It's whether St. Lucians are going to fall for it, whether it's a Cambridge thing, whoever scripted the speech and had to practice it or not. I don't know. I hope they don't fall for it. Because this thing, to be honest, nurses cannot afford this. All of us, majority of us are on contract six months a year. How do we go to a bank for a loan? for one of these vehicles. It's not possible. And banks don't give us loans. Uh, it's sad. It's sad. It's almost like, like I said, it's like dangling to in front of a starving man, dangling a carrot that is out of reach. It's out of reach. If, if he had done what he needed to do stimulus-wise, maybe we'd not be in a great position, but surely we'd be in a better position. It's like, with, it's like with the farmers. You don't pay them the money that you owe them, and now you're announcing that you want to give them recovery. Well, the best way to have, to have them recover was to not put them in a position where they needed to be saved in the first place. So then the question is now with regard to the nurses, you know, because also you all have a head of the Nurses Association that is an extreme hack of the government. So how do you all, how do you all get proper representation? That, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> ah, thank you for calling, Kuala. Thank you very much for calling. You're welcome. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. It's great to get the, the actual people. That is an actual nurse. We can take her at a wood. She's not Shasne or Guy or Estefan or King. But folks, again, we just got another wood salad of bullshit last night, and we have to figure out where we're going with that. Good afternoon, caller. 
Bon après-midi, M. Hunt. Bon après-midi. Je vais faire une contribution en Creole. Ok, go ahead. Bon, mais um, de travail, M. Parmenista Vinia sur Radio um, House Laye. Bon, nous en mangeons aussi. L'estomac moins si. Parce que c'est pas grave, la M. Si vous mangez ça là, c'est pas grave, ça là aussi. Nous j'ai l'aspect de ça. Ok? Si vous mangez ça aussi, ça là, bon, il n'y a pas l'estomac moins de manière, bon, pas pour vomir. Bon, l'autre bagay là, c'est M. Desi. Te dit comme ça, il baille premier ministre là, et puis c'est cabinet là. Il baille deux trois shields. Yes. premier ministre là, il baille deux shields là. So, qui m'a dit la vérité? Well, you know, Chastain is obviously... In fact, both of them, you, you, cannot, you cannot tell. But here's the important thing. When you see Chastain next time, will he have a mask on? I know from my information that no masks have been received by any other MPs so far. So it could be both of them, eh? It could be both. Okay. Um, gouvernement qui l'a, il pas pour nous. Parce que moi, je suis le premier ministre, 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 je valider ça dollars. C'est bien c'est pas des précautions et puis ça parce que ça ni un bagarre dedans. Parce que si on y pour aller au petit gouvernement pour pas au 200 dollars, où ça vous pas gagner 200 dollars. Où ça vous pas ça pour tout. Yes, tout petit malheureux qui fait petit caillou et puis on y petit tout au calou. Il passe à point l'autre manière pas bread and breakfast. Il a acheté pour point pas le caillou. Moi pas ça qui ça qui en tête. Moi on fait lycéen qui a comprendre et puis coûter le ministre ça qui a parlé puis on fait aussi fait une décision pour l'aider parce que ils nous ils nous ils ils nous qui vont même cette caille en dit dans ces bagages là parce que ça va regarder pour le ministre là monsieur pas regarder il pas parler pour nous en direct il pas parler pour malheureux monsieur pas parler même pas comprendre ça il a dit parce que nous qui là nous pas travailler nous qui tenir business qui ni business qui tenir business nous pas ça pour côté nous tous les jours nous ca lever pour nous ca cachiller qui ça nous a fait, nous n'y tirons l'argent, nous n'y sauver, nous n'avons l'argent ça là pour payer en bills nous. Ce qui ça, monsieur Ani, monsieur fait un bagage pour moun, ça fait un l'argent. Moun pas qu'à m'adon l'argent parce que l'habitude lui dit, nous sommes mendicants. Nous pas mendicants, nous voulons travailler, stimuler travail pour moun ça jouer un travail pour y'a fait. Parce que sous employé, y'a moun employé, l'autre moun ka employé, l'autre moun, son l'argent ka y filtre en communauté, à tout moun ka y jouer l'argent. Parce que bagala ki la présence, c'est ça, non, c'est survival qui nous. Vous voulez manger et vous voulez payer bills, c'est ça nous voulons. Son bon travail, fait un bagage, parce que bon, j'ai la mise à venir là, en veille, moi même, zoé, moi fais mal, j'ai moi fais mal, et laisse ma moi si moi voulez vomir. Merci, Kola, very, very, very well said. But the, the funny thing, even like me, I'm telling you last night, I struggle. I, I can't listen to it anymore. It's like, it's overload. Like, you know, you're getting, getting sick. I'm going to turn my TV off because I'm going to turn my TV off. Because I'm going to turn my TV off. Because I'm going to turn my TV off. 
as you say in that color in Creole, he have they have Soleil. Instead they spell it S O L I E L. It's S O U L E Y Soleil. Sully, <laughs> 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 C'est Thank you, caller. Merci, Apil. I think that's our last caller. We're out of time. But I want to remind her, she just pointed out, when they come to give you money, recognize one thing. Even if they give you $1,000, last election you were given $400, $300 and a T-shirt, $1,000 is only 54 cents a day for the next five years of Shasne, Fede, Gail, Guy, etc. Folks, my time is up. Thank you all for those who called. Please send in your shout-outs. We'll be debuting the TV ad tomorrow for the T-shirts with all the locations and all the ways to get your Revolution T-shirts. All those who want to send shout-outs to Cambridge Analytica, please send them to me as well. And I'll be sure to tell them whatever it is you want to tell them as well. We'll do that tomorrow. I'll leave you to chill this afternoon because you had a very stressful night listening to loads of, we can't even say bull, horse crap, horse manure budget. The Allen in Wonderland budget. So I'll let you chill and relax because just now you'll hear about Bradley and them coming back because elections are on the corner and they'll microwave the whole thing to legalize it. Your ghost. Family. I'm really boss. I miss the family. If I want to meet a friend killer, we will believe in a friend killer. Family. The opinions expressed on this TV program 
by the hosts, co-hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions and responsibility of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of UTV or its affiliates.